going to kick off episode 324 of Monster Kid Radio with The Murmurs. They just released a new EP. It's the 2017 EP. You can find them at themurmurs.bandcamp.com. This EP has four songs on it. And from this EP, we are playing their London Dungeon. Big thanks to them for letting us play this on the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the last Monster Kid Radio before I go to Monster Bash. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you here. So here's what we've got lined up this week. As I mentioned previously with that special episode I put out over the weekend, we were going to do an episode with White Kemper, and we were going to talk about the movie Son of Frankenstein. That's still going to happen, but you know, we kind of peel the curtain back just a little bit more. When I recorded that with Dwight, he came through just fine. But for whatever reason, my webcam picked up my audio and not my microphone. And I didn't notice that until I went in to start editing. Well, obviously, that's not going to work. So I need to go back in and do some work on my end, finesse my side of the recording, and you will eventually hear that conversation down the line. So what am I playing this week instead? Well, a while back, it's been at least a month now, I got together with Scott Morris, podcast legend, (laughs) And we did an episode of 1951 Down Place. We recorded about the movie Lost Continent, and that will be coming soon. Well, after we got done recording that, we had so much fun podcasting together that we continued. And we created and we recorded an episode of Monster Kid Radio in which he and I reviewed our top three favorite 1951 Down Place episode memories. A little self-indulgent, probably. But it was a lot of fun, and I think you guys and gals will take it, too. Before I get to that, though, we have some voicemails. Hi, Derek. This is Dan Cornell from the suburbs of Chicago. A long-time listener, first-time caller. And I just wanted to touch in on the MST3K discussion. I had uh, something I wanted to throw out there that maybe hasn't really been discussed yet um, regarding MST3K. Um, I know there's been a lot of discussion. You're probably getting sick of these voicemails, but I figured I'd uh, throw my opinion into the mix here. Um, when I look at MST3K, I really look at the types of riffing that occur. And really, I kind of break it down into two different types of riffs. Um, the first really has to do with the era. You know, they may be making fun of the haircuts or the outfits or, you know, the man-woman interactions that took place during the 1950s. And I kind of compare it, you know, to the 1990s. You know, I'm a little bit younger guy. Um, grew up in the 90s um, when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I look at the rap music, the funny haircuts, the outfits, you know, MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, and all that fun stuff. And I don't really think those two things are mutually exclusive. You know, I think we can love and have nostalgia uh, for these for these time periods, but also laugh at ourselves at the same time and understand that things were a little bit different back then. So in that regard, when they're making fun of a specific era and just things that occurred, I don't really think that's much different than us kind of looking back to the 80s or the 90s and, and laughing at the same things. And like I said, I think we can love and have nostalgia, um, but also kind of make fun of them at the same time. So that, that's just my opinion as far as that goes. The second thing that they usually riff on is the mistakes, right? You know, the continuity errors, the anachronisms, the bad camera angles, uh, the out-of-focus shots. Um, and, you know, for example, like Man of the Hands of Fate, there's that, there's that scene where Torgo delivers his line, and then there's that real long, awkward pause where nobody's talking, and, you know, Joel says something like, somebody do something, you know, and it's just it's kind of funny. And, you know, you look at those sort of things where they're actually making fun of mistakes that occur. And, you know, I think we all understand, right, these are low-budget, you know, tight time frames, um, don't always have the luxury to reshoot the scenes like they would like. 
Um, I think, Derek, you've used the phrase that we love these movies warts and all, um, which I totally agree with. And when I look at the risks that occur from MST3K, I never hear them say something like, you know, because of that, these actors should not be acting or these directors should not be making movies because of these mistakes. I never hear them say something like that. They simply laugh at the mistakes that occur and kind of move on from there and still enjoy the movie. And never is it is it implied or mentioned that these people should not be making movies, which I think is where, you know, they would be crossing the line. So, you know, that that's just kind of my take on it. I think we can laugh at these situations, understanding that they're low budget, tight time frames, you know, no luxury to reshoot, and just kind of understand it is what it is and, and kind of laugh at, at those moments that occur. Finally, you've mentioned, you know, certain problems that have occurred with people, you know, taking it upon themselves to riff at movie theaters. And my honest opinion is I think that's more on the movie theaters than on MST3K. I think that kind of falls on the movie theaters to step in and make it known that that's not acceptable. Um, because really MST3K does not give any permission for others to do this. And, you know, perhaps a do not try this on your own warning at the beginning of MST3K episodes would have helped in that regard. But ultimately I still kind of put the blame on the movie theaters when those situations occur if they're not making it known. Um, you know, to the people that they, that, that's not acceptable. So that's, that's just another, you know, one of my opinions as far as that goes. I'll just close by, by saying that I recently watched the EGOT episode from MST3K, um, and I really enjoyed it, and I really think you should do a discussion on EGOT if you ever get a chance. When Richard Keel is chasing down the car at the end, it's actually quite terrifying. So, uh, thanks a lot, Derek. I will hopefully call in again some other time. Uh, thanks a lot. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Thank you for calling in, Dan. And no, I'm not taking voicemails about MST3K or anything else at all. I would love to get even more voicemails here on the show. So thanks for contributing to that. You know, I still go back and forth on the MST3K thing. On, on the one hand, I know that a lot of people come to it from a place of respect and love for the films. And other times it's just people trying to belittle the film and make fun. I, I don't know. Overall, if people dig it, awesome, good for them. You know what I mean? And if you dig it, great. I mentioned Scott Morris. He and I have talked plenty of times off mic, and I don't know if we've actually said this on the show, but I know for him, he discovered a lot of these movies that he now loves watching straight through MST3K. So, you know, it's doing its part to spread the news and the love of these movies. As far as people deciding that they're just as good as Tom Servo and Crow T. Robot and all them in the movie theater. Yeah, it really is on the movie theater itself, I feel like. But having worked at a movie theater, actually two movie theaters in the past, okay, technically only one. The other one was a student thing. Anyway, having worked at a movie theater in the past, as an employee of the movie theater, I was not being paid very much. I was paid enough to sling concessions, and that's about it. Projection system is all automated. There might be one person in the booth. And if it's a multiplex, it's one person running the entire projection room for every screen. It's not like they have ushers in most of these movie theaters to make sure people aren't screwing around in the movie theater and riffing and making jokes and that sort of thing. I really appreciate whenever I go to the Joy Cinema that there seems to be a definite effort on the part of Jeff Martin, the guy who runs the show, making sure that people know that, yeah, a couple of Snickers here and there are fine, but let's not ruin the movie watching experience for everybody. And I, and I do appreciate that. And of course you hear the wonderful stories about places like the Alamo draft house, calling people out for using their cell phone and that sort of thing in the movie theater. It really is up to the movie theater. I think to police that if they have the people on hand to do it, I don't know. Ega, great film. I really enjoy watching that movie. I saw it at the joy cinema. I think that was the last time I saw it actually was at the joy 
feel like I should go back and watch it again. It's got such a goofy soundtrack. I absolutely love it. And that dune buggy and the sand dune stuff, that's great. Big fan of that film. Arch Hall Jr. was a really sweet guy when I talked to him a couple of years ago at a Monster Bash. And he had nothing but nice things to say about Richard Keel. And yeah, I would recommend it. If people haven't had a chance to see EGOS straight, go check it out. And apparently Dan really liked it. MSC3K'd. So go check that out too. Dan, thank you for calling in. I've got a voicemail from a listener that I'm going to play here in a second, but just so everybody knows, it goes for about five minutes and we do talk about the mummy and there are some very, very, very minor spoilery things. So his voicemail, my response about five minutes. So skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled or you're just tired of hearing about the mummy. <laughs> Hello, Derek. Joe Lydon here just commenting on your last podcast. Uh, most dangerous game. Yeah, I, I really like this film. I've liked this film for a long time. When I was younger, when I was a little kid, I think my grandfather showed me this film one time. It was on TV one night. I've always liked it. And uh, I think it does fit in the wheelhouse of Monster Kid Radio because... If nothing else, because of its relationship to King Kong. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm so glad you covered it, because I did not know there was a Criterion release of this film, and I'm going to try and track it down. I'd like, to, I'd like to get that issue, that release of Most Dangerous Game. Great pick. Uh, another great episode. You know, I did see The Mummy, and I'm still, I've been about a week now since I've seen it, and I'm still not sure how I felt about it. I, I think I was disappointed. I know I was disappointed in the effects because as far as the effects were, there's nothing new here. We've seen all of this stuff before. And that was disappointing. I was hoping they'd give us something that we hadn't seen in the credits, but yeah, it's pretty much everything we've seen before. Uh, I went into this movie um, not minding Tom Cruise was in it as the lead. I've liked Tom Cruise's last batch of movies, so... I went into it, not minding he was in it at all. Um, it seems as if, and I don't want to give anything away, though, the way the movie ends, he, he's going to be, or his character, the character, well, I don't know if he, the actor, will, Tom Cruise, but he's going to be a big part of this dark universe if it happens, you know, because of the way it ended. And I did like the idea of Dr. Jekyll being in it. I thought that was pretty clever. I did like the idea how they actually captured the mummy, at one point, I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, you know, there's a scene in there where he fights Mr. Hyde. He turns into Mr. Hyde and he actually fights. I thought that scene was totally unnecessary. I mean, that was there, if nothing, just to pad out the film or something. I don't know. But I just thought it was so unnecessary to see that. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how I felt about it. I do know this. I, I think from the gist I'm getting, thing I'm reading on the Internet, that it's, it's not performing as well as they'd hoped it did. And I know, I think you had said that they are committed to Bride of Frankenstein. I, I, I really, I am looking forward to that. So I'm hoping that can maybe punch up this dark universe for Universal. I did really think how it was really cool where we saw the Universal logo and then the globe kind of spins around and it turns dark and it says dark universe. I thought that was really clever. Did not expect that. But, uh, yeah, a little disappointed in the mummy. It had its good points. It was entertaining. I agree. It was entertaining, but. Yeah, there's nothing new here, you know, and, and, and that was disappointing. But um, we'll see. I got my fingers crossed. I want this dark universe to work. I hope the, uh, the next installment, if they are committed to it, is better and it punches it up. But uh, either way, I'll go see it, you know. So um, 
anyway, another great episode, and uh, keep it up. And I hope you have a great time, or had a great time, depending on when you get this message, at Monster Bash. I can't make it this year. I'm so disappointed, because I would have liked to have gone to Metcha face-to-face, but I just can't, just can't make it work this year. I'm hoping to go maybe next year. But uh, anyway, hope you had a great time, and uh, keep up the great work. Talk to you soon. Bye. So that was Joe from the Fandom Radio Podcast at fandomradiopodcast.podbean.com. You can also find him in iTunes, I believe. Check him out and let him know that you heard him here on Monster Kid Radio. And Joe, I agree with you uh, with The Mummy. I get it. CGI graphics, CGI effects. It's just one of the tools these days, right? I'm still a guy who likes to go old school. I'm still a guy who would prefer to see his special effects on screen knowing that a handful of guys in a garage or a shed somewhere put that stuff together, you know? That you didn't need to plug into a wall and worry about a hard drive crash or something like that to create these effects. But that's just me. Again, I know a lot of people do like the CGI. It's a business, it's an industry, and it gives a lot of people a lot of work. So, I don't know. That's just my personal preference. I did like the Dark Universe transition. I was wondering how they were going to do it. I was actually a little disappointed when the mummy started, and it was just the traditional Universal logo, because I had seen the Dark Universe logo. I'd seen the sizzle. I keep calling it a sizzle reel. I don't know if that's what it is or not, but I've seen the bit that Universal put on YouTube with the Danny Elfman music behind it. And I thought, well, wait a minute, where's the Dark Universe? Oh, there is the Dark Universe as they come around to the other side. And I thought that was kind of nice. Uh, as far as what's happening next, my understanding is that the movie did pretty well overseas, so they are still going to go ahead and move forward with things. I'm starting to hear, and I don't have the links in front of me, but I thought I read somewhere online that that publicity photo that we saw with Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, Russell Crowe, and the, you know, uh, Javier Bardem, and the mummy, uh, Sophia, uh, God, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I had actually read somewhere that that was not a shot that they got everybody together for, that that was actually one big Photoshop collage. I'd like to spend some time really looking at that to see if I can pick out where the Photoshopping happened. But if that's the case, it makes me feel even more like they're still trying to put this thing together at the last minute and just doing the best they can without having solid commitments or even a real solid plan, despite the fact, like I said, that they've had the trademark for years and the LLC even longer. So who knows uh, what's going to happen. Bride of Frankenstein, they are committed. I do wonder who they're going to get for that. We'll see. Will Tom Cruise come back? Uh, We'll see. I've read a lot of things talking about some of the issues with the mummy actually being Cruz's fault in that he micromanaged the whole thing, which is pretty typical for him these days, standing behind the director and telling the director what to do. Uh, That seems to be a bit much. So depending on what Universal feels about all that, we'll we'll see, I guess. I don't know. But hey, yeah, The Most Dangerous Game. That's a great movie, right? (laughs) Thanks for calling in, Joe. If you'd like to contribute to the show by voicemail like Joe and Dan did, you can always call us at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. Oh, I guess Joe actually sent an audio file. You can do that too by emailing it to monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And I'll put you in an upcoming episode of the podcast. Thanks for sending the feedback in. Why don't we go ahead and get to Scott Morris and our reflections on 1951 Down Place and talk a little bit about what's coming up for 1951 Down Place. That's going to happen right after this. From ancient Genesis to the modern screen is the name written in blood. Ega! If I could just call you on the phone The 
coat of the ghost, that's the sign of the toe. Nobody lives on the Brownsville Road. Thrill to the newest recording star, Arturo Jr. Oh, the scream in this way. See ravishing Marilyn Manning in a thrilling, chilling story. of the prehistoric giant sees his first girl, Noah. Curious newsmen search deep in giant country for the last of the ancient cavemen. See a tough giant, tamed by the soft hands of his captive woman. See him sacrifice his ageless beard for her love. The loser to a boy in a dune buggy, escaping a burning desert. Ega's primitive passion was love or kill. <laughs> The ancient language of love, used at the beginning of time. Hi, this is Jeff Owens from the Classic Horrors Club. And I'm Richard Chamberlain from kccinephile.com and monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. We'd like to invite you to attend the next monthly meeting of the Classic Horrors Club on the Phantom Podcast Network. We think you'll enjoy our show, but don't take our word for it. Let's ask some of our listeners what they think. Excuse me, sir. What did you say after listening to the Classic Horrors Club podcast? I'll never smile again. Wow, that's a little mean. How about you, sir? Would you recommend the Classic Horrors Club podcast? It would be very dangerous, not only for you, but for others. Well, we do talk about classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, but I don't think I'd call it dangerous. I think that's enough from our listeners. I've always said we have the, uh, best fans. Why don't you give us a try yourselves? We meet once a month during the Classic Horrors Club podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, found at downrightcreepy.com or at classichorrors.club. Oh, wait, here's one more listener walking his pet. What do you think of the Classic Horrors Club podcast? There's the stink of hell on this train. Even the dog knows it. Buried alive in each man is a strange, depraved creature that turns the soul into a battleground of sin and violence, turning life into an inferno. In Dr. Henry Jeffers, this knowledge, perhaps it was his quiet ways, his unloving wife, his simple, homely face that drove him to unleash this inner presence. This was Jekyll's inferno. (laughs) 
Dr. Jekyll gave life to the unspeakable evil of Mr. Hyde. Rich, handsome, decadent Mr. Hyde erupted to spew adultery, viciousness, murder in the greatest macabre spectacle of all time. American International Pictures presents a fascinating new Dr. Jekyll, a terrifying new Mr. Hyde. Robert Louis Stevenson's study in terrifying evil. Jekyll's Inferno. In color and magazine. Here, where a million years are but a moment. Here, where the present and the past tremble in the presence of the prehistoric. From here comes an adventure so big that only the big screen can do it justice. What is it? Lost Continent, discovered in all its monstrous horror. Never come across anything like that before. A living hell that time forgot. <laughs> this is the man who brought them to the Lost Continent to face the terrors of the past. Lost women on the lost continent. Her past drove her here. Didn't they expect me to leave with nothing? Her future begins here. His life could end here. Now the horrors from the past meet headlong with the terrors of the future. Because it's dry. But one drop of water, touch it. You will see torture pits for forbidden lovers, barbaric sacrifice. Monster weed attack helpless beauties. Seed, giant mollusks, see them fight to the death, see man struggle to destroy the evil of the lost continent, from the novel Uncharted Seas by Dennis Wheatley. Look out on the starboard side! A living hell that time forgot on the lost continent. Listeners, I just got done recording an episode of 1951 Down Place with my good friend, Scott Morris, who's still on the line with me. So let's do an episode of Monster Kid Radio and talk a little bit more about Down Place and Hammer and that sort of thing. How are you doing, Scott? Uh, I'm doing good, guys out there. He won't let me hang up. <laughs> That's right. Not until you're done. Okay. <laughs> I'll decide when the Skype conversation is over, not you. No, it was fun to do Down Place again, to bring it back. It's been a long time, yeah, a while. Since, since last August, and do you want to say uh, why we're actually talking about 1951 Down Place on Monster Kid Radio? 
I do. Uh, we are growing the show, the presence, the virtual internet footprint of Monster Kid Radio. We're creating the Monster Kid Radio Network. And 1951 Down Place is going to become part of the Monster Kid Radio Network. And that means that, well, there's going to be a new website at some point. Uh, the feed will change a little bit. It's all stuff that's going to happen behind the scenes. Ultimately, my goal is to have a handful of different shows, part of the Monster Kid Radio network. The Monster Kid Radio isn't going anywhere. Monster Kid Radio is still going to be your weekly show talking about the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. But I do want to have just like a master feed that has MKR, 1951 Downplace, and maybe a couple other things that I'm considering as part of that. But then of course you can still get MKR as its own feed and 1951 down place as its own feed eventually as well. So things are being worked out behind the scenes, but I'm excited. I, I want to see MKR grow. It's something that I've wanted to do from the very beginning when I first started brainstorming monster kid radio with people like Scott. And I, I think it's going to be good. I'm excited for it. I'm excited too, because I'm going to make everybody jealous, but now I'm an official part of monster kid radio through down place. Oh, Unless now that MKR is taking over down place, there's going to be some downsizing. Well, well, there is. We, we kicked Casey off. <laughs> well, <laughs> most of him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave that hanging there. Leave that as a tease as to why people need to listen to 1951 down place. When that episode comes out, you'll hear all the backstory about what happened, why the show went on hold or, or pod faded for a little while hiatus is what we're calling it and what happened with casey everything's fine with casey it's not like anything bad happened well at least between us and casey maybe something bad happened to casey depending on how you feel about certain bodily things but yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna leave that there man i'm not gonna <laughs> and if i already didn't know i would be stopping this show and going to listen to that, <laughs> that episode <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. So we're just going to leave that hanging. Normally, though, with this being a Monster Kid Radio Network thing, you know, there might be some spillover. You might hear at the end of an episode of Monster Kid Radio. Also on the network over at 1951 Down Place, and maybe like a little 10-second clip of the podcast, and so you know what's coming up. You know, that sort of thing. So we'll see. It's all still in early planning stages, but I'm excited for it. And, and yeah, having Scott a more official part of Monster Kid Radio is always a plus. I'm looking. I think I'm looking forward to that extra paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll double your pay. <laughs> Are you saying I should just keep looking for it? I, I think you probably ought to keep looking for it. And if you find it, mine's probably right there with it. So let me know. Okay. <laughs> sure. All right. So the reason we're talking about down place uh, isn't just because we're bringing the show back and making it part of the network, but I thought it would be fun to kind of get back into the 1951 down place spirit by talking about what we've done on that podcast in the past, we launched it what? Back in 2011. Wow, has it been that long? Yeah, September 2011 was our first episode, The Horror of Dracula. Man, I, I guess even while we were doing it, while we were in it, I still felt like it was something relatively new. But that's, wow. That's almost six years ago, man. Yep. Isn't it older than, when did Monster Kid Radio actually start? Yeah, we actually launched Downplace before I launched Monster Kid Radio. Wow. I, I feel kind of older all of a sudden. <laughs> Man, can you imagine how that makes me feel? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been doing Disney Indiana forever, it feels like, right? We're coming up on nine years. That's amazing, sir. It's amazing. And in podcast years, they're like dog years, but accelerated even more. Yep. So that's like forever. <laughs> 
sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> I think because we did downplays as a monthly show, maybe that's why it didn't really hit with me that we've been doing it that long. And this may or may not make listeners feel even better about it. But when we bring back downplays, it's going to be a quarterly show, at least at first. So did I already say that? I can't remember if I said that here over on downplays. You had not said that here. So it'll be a quarterly show to begin with. But man, 2011. So we've talked about over 50 films over at 1951 Downplays, Hammer Films specifically. And we did everything from the Phantom Ship from the early 30s to some of the film noir films, some of the mini Hitchcock films. We did a couple of Robin Hood films. And of course, we did the Gothic films. We did the, the Dracula and the Frankenstein. We did a, at least one mummy movie. There's another one that was in the can that may or may not have been lost. But we were all over the place. And that was something that I was pretty proud of when it came to Down Place is that we didn't just stick to the horror. Because Hammer did a lot more. I mean, you know, that's what they're known for, but they did so much more than that. Well, you didn't mention that we also covered a few of their science fiction films. Uh, see, I was, I was pausing there because I figured you'd bring <laughs> up Quatermass. And we covered all three Quatermass films, and I wish they had more. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I love the character of Quatermass. Although your Quatermass and my Quatermass are a little different. True, but I like them both. Yeah, I, I like them both too. I really do. But I do like the Brian Dunleavy kind of, it's science, get out of my way kind of approach. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I like my Quatermass black and white. There you go. But yeah, we were all over the place. We did everything from, from those. We did a couple of, we did one of the comedies. I guess two, if you consider the old Dark House. True. Yeah. Which we try not to consider too much. <laughs> and we also did a lot of our, some of their dinosaur films, the 1 million BC type stuff. A pirate movie here and there. I mean, we were, we tried to dip into their entire catalog. I think the more the most recent film we did in terms of like release here would probably be what Man About the House. Probably that was probably the most recent one. I don't have the years in front of me of yeah, the films. Neither do I. And we did do one episode of their TV shows. I mean, we really tried to tackle a lot of it, and I had a lot of fun doing it. You know, editing the show was something extra that we added to our plate with you and Casey and I doing our own podcast. But, you know, it was still fun. Mm -hmm. And and I'm excited to bring it back, especially after we just got done recording an episode. It made me realize how much I missed it. I'm looking forward to doing future episodes. we got a Dracula episode coming up that apparently I just sprung on Scott mm -hmm. without talking to him about. But go listen to the episode of Downplace to hear all about that. And when you go listen to that, uh, you're going to hear us talk about The Lost Continent from 1968. That's right, which was originally going to be Scott's birthday pick. We had a tradition on Downplace where every month that was a birthday month for one of us, we got to pick the movie. That meant Casey usually picked one of the uh, sexy vampire films. <laughs> uh, and Scott was going to pick The Lost Continent. Well, we didn't get to it. So that's how we're bringing it back, is bringing in a movie that Scott was going to do. And I'm glad we did. It was fun to finally talk about that movie after considering talking about that movie for ever. I gotta say at least a year in actual clock time. We do mention this in the episode of down place, but there are two recordings that may or may not see the light of day. Scott's got a laptop that got locked up and one recording is locked on it. And that was, I believe for the curse of the mummy's tomb. I had a recording about the unholy four that was on a hard drive that took a dive a while back that may or may not be recoverable. That particular piece of audio, if we're able to retrieve these pieces of audio, I'm sure we'll eventually do something with them, but we're not going to keep you waiting until those are available. We're going to move forward and 
tackle Taste the Blood of Dracula next over on Downplay. So I'm excited about that. I am too. I've not seen that one, so that will be a new one for me. Excellent. Which was originally the format of 1951 Downplay. When we came to it, Scott was a newbie. He had seen a total, I think, of five Hammer films at that point because our first episode was about our top five Hammer films. And Scott's like, well, that's all I've seen. So. <laughs> Which was fun to kind of go through these films. And eventually we'd get to some that he had seen and that I hadn't seen from start to finish or movies that we hadn't seen at all. So it was fun to go through that that way. And then Scott returned the favor by being my guide through the Planet of the Ape films over here. I, I think it's fun to have like a guide and then a newbie. But I'm really excited about the new dynamic with you and me now because we've been doing it obviously for so long now. I think the dynamics changed a little bit. And I'm looking forward to exploring that and just being your partner on this man i am looking forward to continuing on and i know that there's still quite a few hammer films that i haven't seen and that was one of the things that i really enjoyed about doing this podcast was being uh, exposed to these films so i'm looking forward to more of that i know i mean if it wasn't for that scott would have never discovered such gems like she now metro goldwyn mayor and seven arts present the most spectacular woman in the world she the immortal goddess whose passion defies time. She whose cruelty defies description. She who waits for one man to drown the fires of longing that burned within her for 20 centuries. And across the desert of lost souls, over the mountains of the moon, to the Vino city of Kuma, at last he came to bathe with her in the flame of eternal life. She who must be obeyed. She who must be feared. She condemning thousands to tortures beyond your wildest imagination. Frolicking in pleasures beyond your strangest dreams. She overpowering adventure in color. <laughs> or the vengeance of she. The people of her kingdom called her she who must be obeyed. And she was immortal. She, 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 she. She has returned to haunt the living and revenge the dead. <laughs> she has returned in the form, the face, the beauty of the screen's most exciting new star, Olinka Berova, the vengeance of she. Aisha has been reborn. She is mine. Aisha! The all-woman goddess returns to bring more men to their knees and new worlds to their destruction. The Vengeance of She. I say that about She, Vengeance of She. Scott says nothing, which probably speaks volumes about what he thought of those movies. And, you know, they can't all be winners, but some of them are. And, and some of these episodes of 1951 Down Place brought us to movies that we just adored, either because we had seen them before or, or we'd never seen them before or we saw them in a brand new light. It's just fun to kind of look back at what we had talked about. And that's what we're going to do in this episode of Monster Kid Radio is look at the catalog that we've done over at Downplates and, and see of these movies, which of our top three, uh, either episodes or films that we've covered on the show so far. What, what do you think? That sounds good. But before we actually get deep into our top three, there is two Kind of honorable mentions, I don't think we need to go into them that deeply, but I, I think they deserve a call out, okay. for me anyway. And the first one is actually the four-sided triangle. You know, that was also a, an honorable mention for me as well. For years, four-sided triangle kind of became a joke. <laughs> 
on, on, on Down Place as a movie that we always threaten to watch because, oh, it's got to be awful. It's got a terrible name. We actually kind of dug it. Yes. It's a very interesting sci-fi film about basically human it's duplication. It's very well directed. I thought the acting was pretty stellar. I thought it looked great. The black and white really worked in that. It's a great film. Yes. And, and the other one that I wanted to mention is when we first decided to do a film noir of Hammers, I was a little leery of that because I, I had seen some film noirs and I kind of liked them, but I didn't know, you know, from Hammer, I didn't known for that. But when we watched Hell is a City, that is a great It is flick. a really good little crime drama type film. I think film noir might have been something different to the UK audience at that time, because when I think film noir, I think, well, I don't think like gumshoe and private detective and cops doing stuff, but I could be wrong. I I don't have a lot of experience with film noir other than the few that I've seen that I've enjoyed, but hell is a city film noir or not great film. Really well done. Another fantastic performance in that movie. Who directed that? Do you remember? Because Terrence Fisher directed Four-Sided Triangle, and that obviously was good. Uh, Val Guest did Hell is a City, which... Yes, Val Guest. And uh, if you want to look that one up, that was our 13th episode, uh, all the way back from September 2012 is when we did that. And when did we do Four-Sided Triangle? That was in uh, July of 2014. It was episode number 35 during one of our listener pick months. Yes. I'd forgotten about the listener pick months. something we kind of phased out. (laughs) I think the the listeners finally said, uh, you're going to stop making fun of it. We're going to make you watch it. I am so yeah, glad I'm we did. Definitely a good call for a honorable mention. Now I have a, they're not on my list, my top three list. I, I have an honorable mention as well, but I think I'll wait because I don't want to potentially spoil what you might've picked as one of your top three movies or episodes that we've done. It's not vengeance of no, she. Is you it? know what? We, we laugh about she and vengeance <laughs> of she and, you know, not all films are for all people. Let's just say that. Yep. That is very I actually true. kind of enjoy parts of Vengeance of She more than uh, my co-host did. But, you know, whatever. There was there was two parts I enjoyed. And okay. I'll leave it at that. Well, then. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> there are a number of movies in here that are, are pretty f- phenomenal. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and mention one of my honorable mentions. I liked their war movie, Ten Seconds to Hell. That was a fun episode yes. to do too. And I think Casey was the one that pushed for that, didn't he? I think, wasn't that his um, birthday pick Was one? it February? Yeah, it was a February. Yeah, so that would be him. That was good. That was a really good one with Jack Palance, or Palance, however yes. you pronounce it. Curly. It was Epi- really good. Episode 18 from February 2013. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I ended up buying that one on Blu-ray after it came out. Oh, really? After we covered that one. Have yeah. you watched it? I liked it that much. Yeah, it's really Is good. Is the transfer really good? It's a decent transfer, yeah. Ooh. It's a lot better than what I had wow, Any special features or anything to speak of? I'd have to look at it again. I don't no, remember. I bet that looks awesome. And they shot that in parts of Europe that had actually been damaged by the war that were still there. And that's... It was in and around Berlin, if I remember so correctly. So that's got to look really nice. Well, I mean, as well as war damage can look. I, I, you know what I mean. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, for my top three, though, I, I went traditional. I went to the horrors. <laughs> take that and out of context well, and use that as a bumper for something <laughs> and probably shocking enough i have a very strong sci-fi uh list so not surprised <laughs> not surprised one bit 
but not all three of mine are sci-fi. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to go first because uh, it's my show. And if I go first, that means you get to end. So again, you know, I'm the guest, best for last, that sort of thing. I was going to say, now that I'm actually part of MKR, I'm not a guest, so I don't get to go first. Well, no, that's how I always do it, man. I always want to make sure the guest has the last word. You know what I mean? I know you do. Okay, so when I look at our list of films that we've covered, and like I said, we've done at least 50, if not more. I'd have to go through and actually count because not every episode was actually a movie conversation. It was that feedback episode and then an interview episode. But anyway, when I look at the list, like I said, I'm going to go to the horror films. And I think for me, if I were to do a countdown, my number three would be episode 21, where we talked about The Mummy. Egypt, 4,000 years ago. A land of strange rituals and savage cruelty. Many of their secrets are still hidden from the eyes of 20th century man. Secrets that protect their dead. Supernatural powers that once released can live again in our modern world. The Mummy, The Living Dead. Bringing terror and death across 4,000 years. He was a high priest of the great god Karnak. Until one night, he attempted the ultimate in blasphemy. He was condemned to guard forever the princess he had loved and protect her from intruders. and destroy those who desecrated the tomb of our princess. He who robs the graves of Egypt dies. He who robs the graves of Egypt dies. People know that I have a mummy fetish. I love my mummy movies. I, I think I will give a p- more passes to a bad mummy movie than I would any other type of bad monster movie just because I love the idea of a mummy movie. And the mummy has Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And what more can you ask for when you talk about hammer horror? Lee and Cushing together. It, it's like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, man. I don't know which one's the chocolate and which one's the peanut butter, but you know, you put them together and you've got solid gold. And it's directed by Terrence Fisher, who's one of the mainstays, one of the best directors to come out of Hammer. So for me, that's my pick is The Mummy from 1959, episode 21. Uh, listeners, um, I don't know how to take this. That's the only episode that I am not oh, on. Oh, no, that's right. You weren't <laughs> on that episode. <laughs> At least it wasn't his number one choice. I forgot about that. Oh man, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, you were. I don't, where were that's you? What, I was on a cruise. Oh well, fine. <laughs> you were doing something a little bit more enjoyable, I bet. But the next episode, I did share my thoughts on the Mummy, and I really did enjoy that film quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's so a good that, one. That is a good choice. <laughs> I had totally <laughs> forgotten. Yeah, I'm looking at the show notes, even, and, and we didn't even mention on there that you weren't there. Just say the down places explore their mummy issues, and that's it. <laughs> Don't even say the Scott wasn't there. So, uh, but Scott does chime in. That's right. On episode twenty-two, you came back and talked a little bit about it. It's a great film. I, I love me a mummy movie, and I like the the Hammer Mummy films quite a bit. I love the Universals as well. 
one of the my favorite things about that movie is its iconic. Oh, it's poster. so good. Such a good poster. The artwork for these films. I love some classic monster movie posters anyway. The color, the artwork, the way they do the wording and the text. and It's just beautiful stuff. And Hammer was notorious for creating posters before they had a movie, which I think was pretty common actually for a lot of low-budget genre stuff. Make the poster, get the funding for the poster, then make the movie. And I believe this might have been one of those in that case because I don't think they had a scene with the mummy with a hole in it until this poster came out. And then they went back to the special effects guys and said, okay, somehow we need to at one point have a hole. In yeah, our exactly. Mummy. If I remember right. And I'd have to go back to either re-listen to the episode or do a little bit of research. Didn't Cushing himself recommend this? Like, uh, I got the spear. I just sh- let's yeah. stab him with a spear. So <laughs> I believe you're correct. <laughs> yeah, so much fun. Great music, beautiful music, but that would be my number three. That's your number three. Well, my number three is uh, all the way back to episode number eight, the Quatermass Experiment. Really? Yes. You can't escape it. Mackie, look! Nothing can destroy it. It's coming for you from space to wipe all living things from the face of the Earth. Beware of the creeping unknown. This woman is about to learn a terrible secret. She will never be the same again. Because this man knows that same secret, he will never speak again. To both of them has come terror in the form of the creeping unknown. Three men went into outer space. Only one of them came back, came back a strange, distorted creature, haunted and possessed by something beyond human understanding. What was the terrible secret he could not tell them? There's a whole new world out there, a wilderness, uncharted. And he's been there and come back. He's got the map. Unlock his mind for me, Briscoe, and find it. I know you can do it. It isn't just a question I know the strain and tension you've been under, but to stop now when we're so close. Brian Donlevy. He dared an experiment that shocked a nation. You've destroyed him like you've destroyed everything else you've touched, Kent. There's no room for personal feelings in science, Judith. An experiment that created the creeping unknown. I want to call around the entire area, evacuate all public, get information to check up every movement that's likely to take place inside this radius tonight. Yes, sir. Warn everyone not to touch anything unusual they may find in the streets. And one of the main reasons that I picked this is because you and Casey had not seen this film, if I remember correctly. I had seen it before, and how this impacted you to especially Brian Dunleavy's performance. Yeah. And how he kept showing back up. We, we would reference him in several other episodes down the line uh, he became the head of our hammer avengers i don't know if you remember us talking about that i do remember that <laughs> <laughs> and as the way that that episode impacted downplace overall is one of the reasons that, that i picked it plus i just i love the film and i love our discussion I, I actually went back and listened to part of this episode and i love when we get off on a little bit of a tangent and talking about 
the influence that this film and Nigel Neal had on John Carpenter. It's a great film. I think of the three Quatermass films, it's my favorite. And Carpenter's uh, response to Nigel Neal and Quatermass, one of my favorite John Carpenter films is Prince of Darkness. And that's, quote unquote, written by Martin Quatermass. And you can also see influence of this specific film on his version of the thing. Oh, sure. It's a good film. And it's Val Guest as the director. And I think in this one, we really started to recognize, or at least I did. And and I would assume Casey and and maybe you, because we're pretty early in in the downplace project at that point, recognizes Val Guest's direction's strength Mm -hmm. uh, in that he would sometimes shoot things in a very documentary-like style. Yes, we, we actually do talk, especially the beginning of that film, has a very news crew style filming when they're covering the wreckage of the spacecraft. Which makes it feel all the more real. Yes. It really does. Whereas Terrence Fisher, who's the other big director, has more of a fairy tale like approach. It, it doesn't necessarily feel real. I mean, it's still good. It just doesn't have that reality feel to it. I feel like even something like Four Sided Triangle, where he's more rooted in reality because it's not a gothic, but it still felt more like this is a parable, I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Quatermass Experiment with Val Guest, it felt more like, well, this just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a good episode too. I remember that one. That was good. That was very early in the run. I know when we first started, we tried real hard to try to hit as many different subgenres as possible. Then we did a bunch of the gothics right off the bat, and then we did Paranoiac and Quatermass and Old Dark House. So, yeah, it was a good one to do at the beginning as well. One thing that I noticed while listening to it, we also relied a lot heavier on music when we did that episode, which is going to be something that we're, it's a conscious choice that we're going to be getting away from due to legal issues and that kind of stuff. But uh, it was kind of interesting to go back to listen to us really early on and, and still trying to come up with how we're actually going to be doing this show. It is pretty early. I remember Horror of Dracula, there was music start to finish. Mm-hmm. I just basically played the soundtrack for that <laughs> through the whole thing. And I, I regret that now because that had to have been hard to listen to over and over and over yes. again. Yeah, this one, whenever we would bring up another movie – music from that movie would be playing. Yeah, that, that will probably change. I mean, we'll still be doing some trailers here and there, but like Scott said, legally, we want to try to be as above board as possible just because. Yeah. Yeah, just because. So, yes, the Quatermass Experiment uh, Episode 8 is my number three. So, for my number two, hey, it's got Peter Cushing. And Peter Cushing is so delightfully evil in Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, Episode 44. May of 2015 is when we release that. I can transplant his brain. If I don't, it'll die through lack of oxygen. In his nightmare mind, one more horror, one last horrendous act. Frankenstein must be destroyed. Frankenstein must be destroyed. Peter Cushing, Veronica Carlson. Frankenstein must be destroyed. This picture has been rated M 
suggested for mature audiences. I love my Frankenstein sequels so much. I love the Frankenstein films from Hammer altogether. Revenge of Frankenstein is probably my favorite Frankenstein sequel, but Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed is such a bad movie in terms of what he does. I mean, it's a great film. I love the film. But the things that he does in this film... They're so bad and out of character for Frankenstein. But what I liked about that is that it created this conversation that the three of us had about what Dr. Frankenstein is and how is he really evil? What did he really need to do? And I thought it was a really fascinating conversation we had where, well, I'll just say it. I mean, he rapes somebody. Yeah. And it's terrible. And he didn't need to do that, really. It was not what Frankenstein is about. He had already exerted control over the, the couple enough we felt like and it just felt out of character but i did think it led to an interesting conversation that we had plus the movie's just really good yeah the movie is good and i do remember the almost frankenstein ethics type of conversation we had that was that was good yeah and and it's it's awesome i mean it's just flat <laughs> <out> awesome <laughs> uh and the monster the frankenstein monster on this played by freddie jones is just fantastic his performance. I feel like the movie lives and dies by him, even though it's a Peter Cushing film. There's so many great scenes in the film with, uh, is that Anna? Is that the female yes. lead uh, played by Veronica Carlson? Anna in the backyard when it's raining and everything and she's digging it up and oh, just some fantastic sequences in that. And <laughs> my, my favorite bit of the film, I, I can't remember the exact line, but basically the fiance is trying to get Anna out of there and he tells Frankenstein, you don't need Anna. And she says, well, I need her to bring me a cup of coffee. It's like, yes. well, <laughs> wonderful. That's great. No, I, I liked that. I, I don't like that Frankenstein raped somebody. I mean, it was totally out of character, but I did yeah. like the conversation that happened from it. And if I, if I remember right, that was something that Cushing wasn't too uh, high on either. Right. He, he thought it was out of character for Frankenstein. So, you know, we were right there on the same level with Peter Cushing, which is not a bad place to be. No, and not at all. I think the director, too. I think Fisher was against it as well. So it's one of those things that was kind of mandated by the studio. Do it. Like, all right. So that's my number two. What would be your number two? Well, I, too, like evil Peter Cushing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot, especially in the Dracula films, he's he's a good guy. But I think he plays a bad guy wonderfully. And that is no more apparent than in my number two choice, Twins of Evil. The coffin opens and terror reaches out from beyond the grave as the Twins of Evil evoke the power of vampirism and witchcraft. Twins of Evil, they use the satanic power of their bodies to turn men and women into their blood slaves. Twins of Evil. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without care. Oh, so <laughs> good. Episode 12, directed by John Hugh. So. Wonderful, wonderful film. Oh, man, so good. <laughs> so and, good. I, oh, oh, yes. And one of the things that has changed, literally changed my viewing of this film was when we were discussing this film. And this is one of the, one of the ones that I had seen before. But I never put this together, and you being the soundtrack guy, when you got talking about the cowboy theme for the Brotherhood. <laughs> yeah. Which is perfect. I Every time I've seen this film since then, yeah, when you see the Brotherhood on horseback, that's a Western theme playing, and it's awesome. 
It's like the evil posse is coming to town. Yes. I had never made that connection in the times that I had seen it before we recorded it. You know, kudos on you. I mean, that's, that's what the biggest thing I remember from this. And I remember it every time we watch it. And I also think it's hilarious uh, when we were talking about uh, Damien Thomas's performance as the Count Karnstein Ah. and and Casey kept bringing up that he looked like Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) (laughs) I had forgotten about that, but you're absolutely right. Oh, wow. (laughs) Now I want to see Jimmy Fallon in a vampire Western with a CG Peter Cushing leading the posse. Yeah, I want to see it. Nah, I've seen CG Peter Cushing. I don't know if I want to see that. Oh, man. I don't need to see Jimmy Fallon on the big screen. So, yeah, you're probably right. But Peter Cushing is deliciously evil in this film. So good. I don't think he's been more evil in anything and that includes star wars <laughs> star wars he kills an entire planet he's more evil in twins of evil <laughs> yeah 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 it's a more personal kind of like he's up and close and burning people it's yeah yes. <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one although have you ever seen corruption i have never seen corruption i want to but i've never seen it there was an ad that i saw i don't know if it was like for a tv presentation of the film or whatever but peter cushing is labeled as knife guy Apparently he does pretty terrible things in that film. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Twins of evil. You're right. He's burning people. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> what does that say about me? Uh, <laughs> he's burning people. That was cool. So yes, twins of evil uh, from episode 12 is, is my number two. So my number one moment before I get to that though, I have an honorable mention and you haven't mentioned this one yet. So maybe I'm going to hold off. I will. I'll hold off on the off chance that this is your number one. So my number one is an episode that kind of changed something for me while we were recording. Now, I don't know if this is something we're going to continue or not. I need to talk to Scott about it. But we had a section on our website for our top five Hammer films. And as the show continued, things might have changed a little bit. I think my list changed more than everybody else's. But you know, it's kind of hard to say this is my favorite film on any day of the week because it's going to change in half an hour or whatever because that's just how movie geeks are, right? Mm-hmm. While we were recording episode 23, I realized that I, I freaking love The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. I would have bet large sums of money when you first asked me to do this that this would be your number one. Black Belt against Black Magic in the greatest battle of all time. Seven brothers and their one sister meet Dracula. While vampires drink the blood of the virgins and turn them into zombies. seen Kung Fu until you've seen the seven brothers and their one sister in action against Dracula. It was, I mean, it's so good. Yeah. It it really changed. I mean, it was on my list, I think, but 
while we're recording, didn't we say just right then, boom, this is my number one? Didn't we just bump it all the way to the top? Well, you still have it as your four. Oh. But the, but the one thing I remember is the epiphany that you had while we were recording it or while you watched it of watching it when you were younger. Yeah, I've seen this one a couple of times. I saw it when I was a kid. Well, when I was a kid, when I was just out of high school, I guess, when I first started learning about these movies. I've seen it on the big screen a couple of times uh, here in Portland. They've shown it a few times at the Hollywood of the Joy, I believe. And I mean, I just love this movie, and it changed so much for me. It, it's the closest you're going to get to a Monster Mash type movie in Hammer, a Monster Rally. Hammer didn't mix the Frankenstein and Dracula. They mixed the mummy in with things or whatever. They only had one werewolf movie. This one does have vampires. You've got the kung fu, but you've got kind of like a zombie thing as well. And just to kind of briefly recap the story, years ago, and people are probably sick of me saying this, I used to think I was going to be a filmmaker when I grew up. And I took this video production class over and over and over again at this community college only because the final for the class was to make a mini movie. You could take the class three times for credit. I ended up taking the class six times because I just wanted to play with the equipment. You know, cheapest equipment rental out there. Just pay for a class and you get access to all this stuff, which was all hand-me-down stuff from a TV studio. But still, you know, I got to make mini movies. And I made this epic feature-length movie with vampires and zombies and it occurred to me that I first had the idea of mixing those two up after having watched The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. It was just mind-blowing to me to make that realization. And the movie's quite good, too. I mean, it's a great film. I feel like Cushing, again, he's in all three of my uh, <laughs> listings here. Cushing, you can't go wrong with the Cush. No, no. You, that That is a great choice for number one. And like I said earlier, I remember the story of your film school and not realizing that you were referencing this film. And and so I wondered if this was going to be your top one. And, you know, I'm looking at my list of top five movies on here, and I feel like it does need to be updated because I would put Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. I'm going to say it as number one. Interesting. I would put it to number one right now. Ask me again in a week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I am deathly curious of what your honorable mention is and what you think my number one is now that I told you that I thought legend of the seven golden vampires would be your number one. Right. So I'm really curious of what you think my number one will be the crossover episode. No, it wasn't. But oh, that, okay. That, that was, that was a good one, but no, okay. no. Well, 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 can I mention it real quick then? Sure. So can I mention it? it's my show? I do what I want. It's your show. You can do it. You can mute me. I don't <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, my honorable mention was episode 33, which was a crossover episode that we did with your wife, Tracy, from Disney, Indiana, where we talked about Captain Clegg here, and then either that same week or that same month, we talked about Dr. Sin, alias the Scarecrow, which was another film based on the same source material, mm-hmm. just released by Disney, and it was interesting to look at the story through two different, very different lenses, one being the hammer lens, one being the Disney lens. It was fun to, to bring Tracy in as well for a conversation and and to talk with her a little bit more about some of this stuff. I've had Tracy on Monster Kid Radio a couple of times, not enough as far as I'm concerned, but I've always enjoyed talking with her on, on the show. And just to kind of have her involved a little bit more was, was nice. And it was just fun to talk about new movies. I really like Dr. Sin. I think I prefer Captain Clegg. I think you liked Sin better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I do like Sin better, but I did like Captain Clegg quite a bit. No, it's Cushing, and it's one of Ripper's media roles. That's true. 
not not his most meatiest, I feel like, but one of the. So that would be my honorable mention, and I assume that would be your number one because your tri- your wife was involved. I was going to say your your well, Tracy yeah. was involved. <laughs> it's my Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and forth quite a bit about what, what my number one was going to be. I actually thought you would guess it's Quatermass in the Pit. I thought that, but then I thought, you know, there's that one with Tracy, and, and that was fun. I loved that film. I mean, it's one that I had seen in a pristine print on the big screen oh, before we did man. the show. But that's not actually uh, what I chose for number one. Oh, okay. My number one is episode number 26 from October 2013. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> the Taste of Fear, or as the we know it here, The Scream of Fear. Take a good look at this face. Caught by the camera at the split-second peak of screaming terror, it is the only face we are permitted to show you in this story of a girl encircled by evil, enveloped in a living nightmare. A girl driven by terror to near insanity. Shocks such as the one that you had last night can deal the mind a very serious blow. A blow which couldn't affect it permanently. You mean I could go mad? This was uh, one of those films that I had never seen before. And this one just hit me right. I'm a big fan of Psycho. And I got a very strong psycho vibe off this film and the whole mystery of it. I don't really want to give it away. And the twist at the end was great. Well, you can't give it away. You've been pledged to an oath of secrecy concerning the electrifying climax of that film. (laughs) That and I love Christopher Lee in this film. Oh, he's really good. This was the first time I had seen him play a good guy. And he, yeah. Plus longtime listeners of down place will know that I have fun creating the intros. (laughs) Yeah. That one was fun. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. (laughs) Making these fake type commercials. And I made one for this one based on Drax delicatessen and their new sandwich, the taste of fear. We really need to market menus or something for Drax delicatessen, (laughs) man. We got to do it. Make some merch. (laughs) And I just had so much fun with that. I pretended that uh, I was in the diner and people were being served it because it was like something new. You remember at that time, the cinnamon challenge was the big thing on the internet. So (laughs) I was using audio of people doing the cinnamon challenge in the background is if they were tasting the taste of fear sandwich. It was fun. <laughs> Your intros were always the best for down place. I felt like because of the different commercials and all that you would put together though. Yes. So, and this was one of my favorites. It still is. And you know what? Legal stuff aside and all that, I can't remember what else you use in there. I, you know, we're referencing this. Let's go ahead and I'm going to play that intro. If you're cool with that. I'm cool with it. Hello and happy Halloween, everyone, and welcome to the 1951 Down Place Podcast, your home for Hammer Films discussion. This is episode number 26 for October 2013. My name is Scott, the production assistant for the show. Derek and Casey, the true stars of the podcast, will be along in a few moments. Now, if I sound a little different this time, it's because I'm broadcasting from Drax Delicatessen 
located down on the docks, instead of my normal broadcast booth in the parking lot of the 1951 Downplay Studios. You know, there's a lot of room in that 1948 Morris Minor. Now on today's podcast, we're going to cover 1961's Scream of Fear, also known under its UK title of Taste of Fear. The film is directed by Seth Holt, who also directed Hammer's The Nanny from 1965. Appearing on screen are Susan Strasberg, Ronald Lewis, and Toll and Christopher Lee. Lee has been quoted as saying this film was the best film that he was in that Hammer ever made. And at least one of the hosts here might just agree with him. Could there be some updates made to the top five lists? You'll just have to listen. Well, in celebration of our coverage of this film, and the reason for me to be on location today, Drax Delicatessen has introduced a new Taste of Fear sandwich, available for a limited time only. The diner is packed with people, including me awaiting the first batch of these sandwiches. You know, I'm not even sure what's in the sandwich. Certainly sounds like I better review. Let's see here. Um, ghost peppers, toad in the hole, bubble and squeak served with a side of spotted dick. Taste of fear indeed. Well, Drax has been a fine supporter of the 1951 downplace over the years. So what the heck? Oh, oh, sh- that's f- horrible. My a- co-workers knew about this. No wonder they sent me. F- I, I apologize, but we seem to be having some technical difficulties with our live remote. Um, we'll, we'll be back to the 1951 Downplace podcast in just a moment. Yeah, ghost peppers, toad in the hole, bubble and squeak served with a side of spotted dick. <laughs> you remember that, huh? I have the my script up in front of me. I still saved it in my Google Doc. So yes, <laughs> nice. Now well, that was fun. That was a great intro. And the movie itself—it's one of those mini Hitchcocks. It's one of those suspense thriller types. And I remember really liking Susan Strasberg in that. And yeah, Christopher Lee, so good. And I think Lee himself said it was his favorite Hammer film that he had done. And this one is a shining example of why I love being on down place being introduced to films that I probably would never have heard of much less seen before we did this podcast. And now they're favorites of mine. So that's why this is my number one. See, I think that's the best part too, about doing any kind of genre podcast. And when you start discovering these things that you end up loving, I can't tell you how many movies I've watched or, or revisited for monster kid radio that, I've just fallen in love with uh, just through podcasting and exploring movies like this. Just you're going to find all sorts of new favorites. And sometimes that's good for the companies that put them out on Blu-ray because we end up ordering them (laughs) (laughs) like, like 10 seconds to hell or Kino right now is putting out so many movies on Blu-ray that I'm just, ah, you know, this wasn't a tight time of year for me. (laughs) Curse you Kino. Uh, Scream of Fear is available on a DVD though. I mean, you get your hands on it. Highly recommend it guys. Well, and as you mentioned earlier, we do have the our top five list, and you said that Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires is your number one. Right now, Scream of Fear isn't even on my list. That's how out of date it is. <laughs> yeah, we should either update that, remove it, do something different with it, because it does change all the it, time. Yeah. 
It really does. It's hard to say this is my favorite. This is, you know, I didn't mention Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter, which is also another one of my favorites, but I didn't mention it because I know Scott. We, you see, you I feel, said that just to put the sting in this no, episode. I'm not putting the stinger in <laughs> here because I, I feel bad, actually. If I, I have two regrets regarding Down Place, and not to bring it down, but one is that I did play music back to back in the first episode. And uh, not the best way to go. But my second regret is that I feel like Casey and I probably built Captain Cronus up too much before you watched it. I know that you had concerns with the movie and they're fair and they're valid, but I do feel bad that we built it up so much. There was absolutely no way, even if you did like the movie, that it, you could have lived up to the expectations that Casey and I were putting out there. So I have regrets about that. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But I did like the fact that we kept playing the stinger for that (laughs) (laughs) every time that show got that movie got mentioned. Captain Kronos is part of our Hammer Avengers team, so that's okay. Yep. (laughs) Who else was on the team, do you remember? We had to have Van Helsing, didn't we? Van Helsing was on it. Um, Was it Andrew Kier's Vampire Hunter character? I think so. I remember thinking, man, I wish I had the time and and the talent to take like the opening credits from the A team. And redo it with just nothing but clips of Hammer characters doing stuff. Well, I always wanted a shirt with them in a superpose, all of them together. Oh, nice. <laughs> we had some fan art come in for that. Somebody did put that together for us. Yeah. I remember that. But I, I am really glad that we are bringing Down Place back. I'm looking forward to talking about these films uh, with you and learning more about this great film company that I didn't know a whole lot about and he's still eager to learn more. I am excited. It was fun to pull out a lot of the Hammer Films books that I have on the bookshelf and dust them off and, and open them up again. I mean, I've read them all you know, once, but being able to, I don't know, just pull them off the bookshelf and get that. St- I have the stack of books right next to me from when we were recording uh, the last episode of Down Place right here about the Lost Continent, you know, the books and the post-it notes and everything. That I, I don't normally do that for MKR because that's not what MKR is about. MKR is more about the fandom of these movies and, and that sort of thing, whereas with Down Place, we get a little bit more into the production side of things. And it was fun to kind of flex those muscles again. Yes, I ironically have that same stack of books next to me right now. <laughs> so it was fun doing that as well stay tuned we're going to keep 1951downplace.com going so you still find everything there but like i said there will be a new website coming up for the network as well scott is as far as i'm concerned part of the network because he's one of the downplace guys and when he gets back from his cruise we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other things that i have in mind because i would love to have him more involved in things if he's got time or the inclination for it so we'll see are you sending me on a cruise oh uh, well, yeah i thought you were going on a cruise i'm saying no you're not going on a cruise you're going on a vacation <laughs> Yeah, I go, I go on a cruise later this year. Yeah, I'm not sending you on a cruise. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going on a cruise right now. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was the name of the ship in the Lost Continent? Because that's where I booked you. Um... <laughs> As always, you can find Scott Morris with his wife, Tracy, over at Disney Indiana at DisneyIndiana.com. I'll play a promo for that show here uh, later on in this episode. But, I mean, come on. If you're a fan of Disney you got to be a fan of this podcast. Tracy and Scott do a bang-up job, and like he said, he's been doing it for a long, long time, and they just are continuously knocking it out of the park. I'm so glad that I'm able to have somebody like Scott and Tracy when she's on as part of Monster Kid Radio because, I mean, he knows what he's doing, and he's fun to chat with, and I hope you guys and gals had fun listening to that conversation. I will make sure there's a link in the show notes to the Monster Kid Radio Network. That's monsterkidradionetwork.com. I think it's pretty easy to remember, but 
just in case. It'll be in the show notes as well. Now, the state of the website over there is in flux. I'm still working on a couple of things behind the scenes. Ultimately, the goal is to have one master feed that you can subscribe to to get both Monster Kid Radio and 1951 Downplace and in any other future shows that join the network. That said, you're still going to be able to just subscribe to one show if you want or two or whatever. I'm not going to set it up to where you have to download the entire network just to get 1951 Downplace or just to get Monster Kid Radio. So there will be individual feeds for each individual show, but if you just want the whole package, you can subscribe to the network as well. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for any announcements regarding what might be coming to the network. Scott and I have talked about another show that we might be bringing to the mix and, well, it doesn't always have to be something produced by me. So just putting it out there. And thanks again, Scott, not just for being part of the show this week, but for all of your help behind the scenes, for helping secure the URLs and setting up the bare bones of the website. Shock. After shock. After shock. Warning. The sexual transformation of a man into a woman will actually take place before your very eyes in Dr. Jekyll. And Sister Hyde. A man by day. A woman by night. The perfect disguise to indulge a lust for sex and violence. Dr. Jekyll. And Sister Hyde. An American International Pictures release in color rated PG. Was he a woman? Was she a man? Or were they both? See the top double thrill, double chill motion picture program of the year. Curse of the Werewolf in color. The harrowing story of the legendary half-man, half-wolf. His evil beast blood demanded he kill, kill, kill. Plus, the shadow of the cat. A shocking adventure into murder and psychotic fear. Two terrifying hits together. Don't miss them. C-3PO. Loki. Mace Windu. Dr. Bruce Banner. Captain Rex. Venom. Princess Leia. Jean Grey. Darth Maul. Nick Fury. Grand Moff Tarkin. Captain America. Lando Calrissian. Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Come on, guys. You know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts. We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer. Which includes movies, Imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about. So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana podcast on iTunes because now we've got a lot more to talk about. And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully. Fozzie Bear. Buzz Lightyear. Link Hogthrob. Doug. Janice. Merida. Pepe. Bruce. Ralph the Dog. Wally. The Disney Indiana Podcast. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com. Again, in a theater, Walt Disney presents Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, the greatest adventure of them all. See Long John Silver, young Jim Hawkins, and all of Robert Louis Stevenson's famous characters. Walt Disney's 
Treasure Island, rated G. And Walt Disney's Dr. Sin, alias the Scarecrow, rated G. See Walt Disney's Treasure Island and Dr. Sin starts tomorrow at a theater near you. Do Robert Armstrong, Faye Ray, King Kong, The Invisible Man, Son of Dracula, Armand Tesla, Barbara Payton, Jack Arnold, and the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms all have in common? Well, they're all on the ballot for this year's Monster Kid Radio Monster Rally Retro Awards. The 2017 edition of the Rally Awards this year honors the best in genre cinema from 1933, 43, and 53, and the ballot is still open. The deadline for your ballot is June 30th, 2017. Once we get the winners determined here, we'll do a special episode with Stephen E. Sullivan coming back to announce the winners. I would love to make sure your input is included in the ballot this year. So head over to tinyurl.com slash rallies2017. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net so you can find it that way as well. Again, June 30th is the deadline, and I cannot wait to see who wins. We are still running that contest for Anthony Wendell's book, The Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack, over 150 pages of awesome suggestions for how to survive if a kaiju showed up in your neighborhood. And Anthony gave me a copy to give away here on the show. The deadline for this is June 27th, which means you've got just under a week to get your entry in. And here's how you enter. I've been playing the promo for the handbook for surviving a giant monster attack off and on. Well, for the past several weeks, I'm going to play it again here in a second. In that promo, which Anthony produced, there are three clips from different giant monster movies. Email me by June 27th at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Your name, obviously, and the names of the three films from which he pulled those audio clips. If I get more than one email with all three of the movies identified correctly, I'll print up all the names, put them in a hat, draw a winner on the show. But to win, you've got to enter. So I'm going to play that promo right now. Again, monsterkidradio at gmail.com by June 27th with the names of the three films that you're going to hear clips from in this promo. And hey, you know what? While you're at it, just check out the book. It's a good read. How often has this happened to you? You're on your way home after a long day when suddenly tragedy strikes. No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. Professor, there's a big lizard back there and he's heading this way. Now get aboard! It's the kind of thing which can ruin your weekend. To prevent catastrophe, you need the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack. This book features extensively researched methods to help you survive a giant monster event. You'll discover which vehicle you should use for making your escape, which method of counterattack is best for specific types of monsters. Hydrogen weapons, capable of wiping cities, countries off the face of the earth, are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies and what common mistakes people make while fighting back. So pick up your copy of The Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack by Anthony Wendell today on Amazon. You can thank us by surviving. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks for listening and being part of the Monster Kid Radio audience, listenership, family, 
cult, whatever. Thank you for being a monster kid and listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'd also appreciate it if you retweeted the tweets and shared the Facebook posts and just tell your friends about Monster Kid Radio because the more monster kids we have, the merrier. Before we wrap up, I want to follow up on something I said in last week's episode when I commented on Ryan Harvey's article on the website for Blackgate Adventures in Fantasy Literature over at blackgate.com. He broke down the Universal Mummy movies in that article. Well, he and I have been talking a little bit on Facebook, and he loves the Hammer films, and he loves Hammer's Mummy from 1959. He wrote a very good article about that over at Blackgate. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, but you can just go over to blackgate.com and search for an article called You Deserve a Great Mummy. So here's my favorite, The Mummy 59. And Ryan, if you are listening, you really do need to get you on Monster Kid Radio at some point. Anyway, check out the website, monsterkidradio.net. That's where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. Our contact information is over there to go over it again. It's 503-479-5657. Or 503-4795-MKR. That's our voicemail line. It's a Google voicemail, which means it has a hard three-minute limit. If you do have more than three minutes worth of stuff to say, we'll call back a second time, and then I'll stitch the voicemails together behind the scenes, and it'll sound like you just had a whole bunch of things to say without interruption. I'll make you sound smooth, I promise. Or you can email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Of course, we've got our Facebook presence, our Facebook page, and our Facebook group, and the group is where the conversations happen. So if you want to talk to me or anybody else in the Monster Kid Radio listening audience, that's where you're going to want to do that. We have links to every single song that's appeared here on the show. A link to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support the show that way. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, I'll be bringing you something from Monster Batch. I'm not sure what yet because, well, it hasn't happened yet, but I am bringing my recorder, a fistful of SD cards, a microphone, a couple of cables, and an intention to get as much audio content as possible for you guys and gals out there in Monster Kid Radio Land. I plan on recording so much. Hopefully, I'll get at least one episode's worth of content, and that's what you're going to hear next week. And hey, speaking of Monster Bash, if you are going to Monster Bash, and if you're not, please consider going to Monster Bash. Check them out at monsterbashnews.com. I'd love to meet you there. I'm going to be the tall guy wearing a Monster Kid Radio t-shirt of some sort, running around like a podcaster with his head cut off and a recorder, and just having a blast. But if you can't make it, and you have a smartphone, and have Snapchat, or Instagram, look me up. Now, I don't use them as often as I probably should if I intend to make them a thing, but I do have a Snapchat and an Instagram page. Just look up Monster Kid Radio and friend me or connect to me or snap me or whatever it is you do to connect on these apps because I hope to take a few pictures and a few snaps, chats, whatever it is, with Snapchat from the con this upcoming weekend. I can't wait to get out there. Now, Jeff Owens has finally told me the names of everybody who was involved in helping to get me there. And I plan on reaching out to each and every one of you when I get back from the bash because I got a big old thank you I got to give you because that's just amazing. I'm touched. Again, thank you so much for making this happen and getting me to the best classic monster movie convention in the world, really. I mean, it's, it's it's amazing. Anyway, that's what's coming up next week. Monster Bash material. And then after that, who knows? We'll see. Stay tuned to Monster Kid Radio to find out. Between now and then. Well, maybe I'll see you at Monster Bash. But if not, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to this song 
London Dungeon. That is from The Murmurs' new EP, the 2017 EP. You can find them at themurmurs.bandcamp.com. They're a surf band based out of Gainesville, Florida. They're really cool. Check out their EP. Pick it up for three bucks and let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Until next time, you've been listening to Monster Kid Radio. I'm Derek M. Cook. Ciao.